The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Break, we're breaking down all the biggest NBA storylines. You're tuned in to The Heat Check. The Heat Check with Trista Crick. The best podcast covering all the drama around the association. Now, let's talk about the dumpster fire happening in Philadelphia. Find out what's really going on behind the scenes that caused a massive rift between the once very close relationship between James Harden and Sixers GM Daryl Morey. And of course, what the fuck happens next? We brought on Jerome Weitzman. He interviewed a dozen people close to both sides. He's here to break it all down. This is a can't-miss interview. Without further ado, listen in. Thank you so much for coming on. My pleasure. I've already, uh, what you guys don't hear behind the scenes is I accidentally uh, said Jerome, who's very prominent uh, reporter in the business, love his work, <laughs> that he didn't look good. So we're off to the races here. <laughs> We're headed for uh, the kind of relationship that James Harden and Daryl Morey have. Yeah, there you go. There you go. In- intense and fractured. There you um, go. <laughs> where, how, how did we get to this place where Harden is now at war with his team, the third team, in three years? Um, so that, okay, so the third team in three years, that's almost a separate conversation, right? In terms of this specific thing, um, his specific uh, beef with Daryl Morey. Um, we can trace it. I wrote a long story, kind of trace this. This goes back years, even decade. Um, but I think the real answer is just the root of who him and Morey are. That's what I wrote about. But that Daryl Morey at his root, I mean, it's all NBA fans know what he is, the cold, calculating guy who wins above loyalty. And yeah, the way I phrase it is that emotions rarely play a role in his decisions. And James Harden is somebody who emotions are basically what or what mostly inform his decisions. And if you have those two, at some point, we were going to hit this, uh, at some point, we we're going to hit this point where there was going to be an issue and there was going to be a problem. And James Harden was not going to realize that maybe he wasn't the max player. And that's that's not a new story, right? Like we can name Carmelo, Russell Westbrook, Allen Iverson. Like we can name in all sports, like the aging superstar. That's that's an old story. And that's one of the hardest things. Um, and some teams will deal with that maybe and value the loyalty. Um, Darren Morey at some point was going to tell James Harden no. And James Harden at some point was going to be very angry that Darren Morey said no. And it was going to end up in this place. Do you think that that, that yeah, did, because... You you talked about how important loyalty is to James Harden, and if I, that's also something very important to me, um, and I don't necessarily think in business relationships I'm going to get loyalty, but this crossed the line from a business relationship to a friendship as well, where Daryl Morey had James Harden's painting in his house. So, 
So if I, if I value loyalty above everything else, the people around me, I want to value loyalty too. And I kind of suss out whether that's something that's important to them. Do you think that James Harden thought he was going to be different as it related to Daryl? And, or did, did he maybe think that this was coming down the pipe? No, it's a great question. I think he, I mean, we know the answer that he thought it was possibly coming down just based on his flirting with Houston. And I think that's been a little, that's, I think it's a little more complicated than it's been made out to be, but he was definitely interested and trying to work behind the scenes, see if Houston would be interested in him. Right. So you don't do that. If you think that you're about to get a max contract and that's locked in, right. You do that to try to exact um, some leverage or an act of leverage over the guy you're dealing with. So I think they were both pretty on the up and up and James Harden. I mean, it's, I think it's kind of classic, right? He values, values loyalty in other people. I wouldn't say he's the most loyal person himself, right? And so he saw plenty of, um, there are plenty of examples in Houston of guys who were major pieces in different cores of teams. So Louis Scola, uh, Chuck Hayes, a different, you know, different people. Um, Chris Paul was one who was banished because of James Harden, right? Different people who are part of the, part of the group there and, got dumped by the Rockets for different reasons. A lot of the times the reasons were because James Harden was annoyed at them for some reason. Um, and when I, to go back, like when we talk about his emotions, it's also, he values loyalty. He's also very sensitive, right? And that's something that's important to know in all this. And the idea that if you, I think I have a quote in this, in the story from a former coach, the idea that if you cross James, he's just, you're done with him. If, and that cross could be, you're done to him or in his, yeah, it just, that cross can be, the smallest of things, right? Like it was the idea that Chris Paul, we saw Chris Paul wanted to nudge the offense a little away, a little more towards a more egalitarian system as opposed to James Harden being ball dominant. Nope, no good, right? Russell Westbrook, let's go get me Russell Westbrook. That doesn't go well. Okay, I want to get rid of Russell Westbrook and I want out of here. So it's not like he's being a, uh, he's a beacon of loyalty himself, which is sort of the ironic part. Um, But I do think he probably saw something like this coming down the pike in terms of the idea that Daryl might, try to break up with me and therefore I'm going to see if I break up with him first. And the the problem for him was that the market just wasn't there. And I think the mistake was they didn't properly, him and his team didn't properly adjust to the, uh, to those circumstances. Yeah. Houston was kind of in the mix all last year, which was kind of bonkers to me when you have a young (laughs) backcourt, right? Young core that you want to give the ball to Jalen green went on that podcast P uh, interview and was like, yeah, having Harden here would really stunt my development. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then they bring in Ime, Ime Udoka. Now there's, there's some, not controversy, but almost, uh, it's hard to decipher how much Ime Udoka played in the role of James Harden not being able to come back to Houston. I saw that you retweeted something uh, from one of your other contemporaries where Ime is trying to set the record straight. What have you heard from people around that situation in terms of like how that dynamic went down? So, I mean, what I'd heard for a while is that Ime, I don't want to, I'm going to say didn't like James Harden. I'm saying like on purpose and close. I don't, I don't think that means personally, right? I don't, I don't think that means he has an issue with him. I just think that means maybe as a player while, while he was in Brooklyn, I should say, right. That something about, and I don't have the specifics of this is why I forget how I phrased it in the story. Maybe he wasn't a fan of his style or whatever, but something about, um, their time in Brooklyn made Ime Udoka think that this was not going to be James Harden would not be a good fit for him for this team that he was inheriting in Houston. Um, and then in the story that went up today, and Zach Lowe has a big story on ESPN about Jalen Green, and uh, you can have the quote there. But Ime Udoka basically says, "Yeah, I thought J- Fred VanVleet would be a better fit 
for us than James Harden. He pushes back on the idea that I don't like James Harden. He ever said that, which fine. He's also publicly not going to say that. And I don't think he necessarily has a personal issue, but I just think it was very clear that when Ime Doka got there, um, Houston's appetite for a Harden reunion was really diminished. Yeah, and what was interesting too from your article was that both sides have just this very disparate view of the relationship that was going to continue moving forward in the offseason. You say James Harden doesn't feel wanted and the Sixers really want James Harden. Uh, can you just expand on why those both, you know, are so different in terms of their opinions? Yeah, this is kind of the root of it. Like this is, it's like, this. so where does James Harden's problem? James Harden's promise. He says that, no, of course, let me back up. There's an, there's a, there's an idea being that would James Harden have been okay with anything but a max. Right. And we, for that, we have to go back to last year. He takes the pay cut. Um, to re-sign with the Sixers, so they get P.J. Tucker and Daniel House, but really mostly P.J. Tucker. Everyone assumes there's a wink-wink that, okay, Harden's going to take a pay cut. Clearly, they have a wink-wink that he's going to sign a max. Next year, the league even investigates that, doesn't find anything. The Sixers have denied that, of course. I wrote this. Like, if there was an agreement, it wouldn't be like a text message where Daryl Morey is saying, okay, you do the pay cut. Now I promise you a max contract next year, right? Like, it just that's not how these things go. Um I don't know what happened. I'm going to guess what happened is, yeah, we'll take care of you, right? And what everyone takes that, like, that's a very vague sentence, uh, phrasing. Um, and everyone takes that, whatever, uh, to mean whatever they think it's going to mean. James Harden plays this year. Most of the year, he probably thinks he's in good shape. He's playing really well. Um, Houston's there. So if Houston's there also as an interested as a team of interest or a team who's interested in him, the market's going to be better. He's thinking, okay, I'll be good with contract. Um, he has another poor playoff or um poor game six or seven i should say he had a couple of good games in there um houston is no longer on the market uh if there's anybody who would know that houston is off the market it would be daryl morey who's obviously really plugged into what's going on there even though he's not there anymore but you know teams can find these things out um and philly now is saying that the reason we're not negotiating with james harden earlier letting him know that he's wanted is because hey remember last year we were docked a couple of draft picks for negotiating with pj tucker and daniel house early and those guys and therefore this year we're going to be real sticklers for the nba's rules right for the nba's tampering rules and um, free agency timeline um they've insisted on that in private also um and i'm saying that because could because they insist on him in private too i'm dubious of that right i i find that that's hard to believe um i think if there was another team that was interested in Harden that they knew of, they would have adjusted accordingly. Um, and I think that's where sort of the breakdown uh, really comes from, is that Harden wants to be told at that, in those moments, this, you, you like me. I know I will actually take less than a max, but just show me that you want me. Uh, Philly is saying, no, you know what? We, we were promised we wanted you. We were going to be there the moment free agency opened. We would have been at your doorstep. Um, we have to wait. We have to wait. Um, and this is where the breakdown is. And it's kind of like a, he said, he said, and I don't know the answers are probably both right. Right. Or both right and wrong. And how he got here. And I just, I don't know if they can come back from this. And James Harden's probably like, well, I've seen the way Daryl Morey's rock for the last 10 years. For sure. And if you are changing your, the way that you move now, it is sending me into red alert, push the button. I have now no other options, but to be strong armed by, by the Philly. So now I'm just going to sign. I'm just going to pick up my player option because if it's a jump ball, fuck you. I actually think I actually use that. that that's a great point. I think that, that the idea that he would know. And 
if the he knows how Darren Mori operates, and if like you're saying, he's changing his methods, that's a red flag. They know, right? And this isn't, I mean, the whole NBA knows how Darren Mori operates. He's been around for 20 years, has a reputation as being a uh I'll say cold, you want to say really uh you know ruthless. Yeah, which again, that's like these sometimes are negative words. That's you know, you can argue it's also his job, right? So I'm not I'm not saying that in, in that he's doing anything wrong. Um, and this is where the Harden thing becomes so complicated because we can all agree James Harden should not be getting a max, right? And I don't know, like, if you're Philly, Dallas is a great example, right? Kyrie has no other market. None. There's no other market there. They try pretending he's meeting with Phoenix. They do all these things. that There's no one else there. And Dallas, they could have squeezed them. Instead, they come with whatever, three years, 120. I forget the exact numbers were, right? And I don't know that if they held strong, like is, was there anyone else coming close to that? Probably not. They decided that to them, it was more important to have Kyrie in and sign and have him be happy. Right. I'm not saying that's the right move, right. That could have been wrong. We will see. Um, Daryl Morey's doing the opposite way, right. Going with a different, was, was going with a different path. So again, I guess I should point out, they insist that they were not going to go a different path that at some point they would have, offered hard in a contract. I don't know. I have no numbers. I don't know. But at some point, they would have offered a hard in a contract that would have been, you know, valuable and he would have been happy with. Um, and this way, you can go drive yourself in circles also because, like, Daryl Morey knows as well as anyone how sensitive James Harden is. So he's probably also thinking, I assume, wait, if he only wants a max, is he going to be happy with anything we offer? Like, I can come day one and offer him, I don't know, I'm making, I'm making this up, three for 120, and he's going to say, fuck you no i don't want that i want a max i'm james harden and it creates a whole issue there so this is why i go back to the original thing we were talking about that i just think this relationship at some point was destined to wind up in this area in this in this area where they're both where someone has a problem with the other yeah and and you mentioned Kyrie, and i think that's really fascinating because daryl morey knows that Kyrie is even more he knows that harden is even more disruptive when he's unhappy than Kyrie is and Kyrie can be a big thorn in your side as well, which makes sense why Dallas wants to keep him happy because right. they really ultimately want to keep Luca happy. I'm curious if anyone brought up the dynamic between Harden and Embiid and whether that was something that was in the Sixers' mind. They put all this effort into this process. You talked about that in your book, Tanking to the Top, just how long it's taken for them to become a contender. And now it feels like the linchpin of this this process is now James Harden. So how much do you think that played into it as well? Yeah. I mean, that's a big part. I, Daryl Morey, like the, the reason James Harden was the, the root of that relationship was the idea that Daryl Morey thought James Harden was a top five, top three, whatever player he was an all time great who could uh, win them, carry them to a title and therefore uh, building a team that accentuates his skills and around him and also doing certain things on the fringes, whether it's practice times or uh, certain teammates or coaches, whatever, keeping him happy. That was, he wasn't doing that because he loved James Harden as a person. I mean, he was, that, that was part of it, but it's because no, my job's to win. And the best way to win is James Harden effective and happy. Right. The same thing's going to be the case now with Joel Embiid. Like that, that, that relationship is now going to be, that's going to be the new, uh, the new foundational relationship. And, Darren Morey knows that, right? And he knows, he, I, I think he said this before on the record, but, you know, managing up, whether it's a, uh, towards ownership or towards your superstar, that's an essential part of being a GM. So managing the, managing Joel Embiid and making sure he's satisfied and feeling comfortable and happy in his current situation. Like, I think Darren Morey would probably say that's at the top of his priority list. Like that is his job. And 
because it goes in his view and he's probably right that goes hand in hand with that's the same thing as trying to win a title like those are the same those two things are the same that's the same thing that's the same goal um so to bring it full circle like to bring answer your question yeah he's he's having conversations with him i i don't know what those are um and beat somebody who likes to uh he likes the Monday morning quarterback uh, basketball decisions. We saw the Jimmy Butler, right? When Jimmy, he's talked a lot about how he always wanted Jimmy Butler and he didn't want him to leave. And he always wished to run him back. That was, he never made that clear. I mean, I know that he never made that clear to anybody at the time. Like they, if, if he had made clear that he wanted Jimmy Butler to still be there, I don't know if he, he probably would have still been there or it would have been a big, bigger discussion. He never made that clear only after the fact Did he, did he uh, say that, you know, I think Jimmy Butler should have stayed. And he's done this with other decisions to you know kind of poke afterward um so then i think the sixers perspective on this would be like okay if he's gonna monday morning quarterback us we might as well do what we think is best for our basketball team because it's if it doesn't work out it's not like he's gonna say oh you know what i was on board with that and i was also wrong um so in terms of like and b knows they need harden or he knows they need another star i guess at this point what's he gonna do he's not gonna ask out for a trade now um the end of this year you know, a season in basketball is a long, long time. But right now, this that is managing it. So uh, I, I don't get the Nick Nurse hiring. Uh, <laughs> because especially considering in your article, you talked about how James Harden was consulted on the head coach decision. And in Houston. In Houston, yeah. In, in, in Houston or in Philly? And those were in Houston. Here, I don't know. If he, I don't know if he was consulted here. I don't know. I don't know either way. So – Doc Rivers fired because yeah. <laughs> mostly he was trying to help hold James Harden accountable, right? James Harden's traveling to Vegas. He's, you know, in the playoffs, he's back in Houston whenever it's an off day. And what the reporting was, not yours, but other reporting was that, you know, that was a key crux of Doc Rivers being let go is that he was trying to put the screws on Harden. Nick Nurse comes in. He's even more of a accountability guy than even Doc Rivers is. Way less of a player's coach we've now seen in terms of how he moved when he was in Toronto. Does that like does that fit make sense for a James Harden led team in your opinion? No, it's uh no, it's a little it's the it's a little interesting. I'm a little not surprising, confusing. Here's a better way to say it. I found I have found it really interesting. So they started camp. I'm not there, but you are reading the quotes coming out and Tobias Harris and Daniel House both specifically Forget even when a coach talks about their system. That's different, right? Because whatever they say, they're going to coach speak. But Tobias Harris and Daniel House have both specifically talked about how it's going to be very different this year with uh, Coach Nurse who's emphasizing ball movement and player movement and getting guys on the move and not just standing around. And, you know, people can look up those quotes. I think Daniel House even mentioned not like what Doc did, I think, which I found funny. Um, those are not uh, basketball philosophies that you think of as, uh, as meshing with James Harden's style and game. Um, so I, I'm with you. I find it interesting. It makes me almost, you know, as a basketball fan, I'm fast. I kind of want to see James Harden on the court and just see like what this looks like. And maybe there could be an interesting and cool, uh, middle ground found that can lift it all up. Um, so that part's interesting. I think, but, but I think the answer to your question is I don't think Harden is the, when the Sixers are going to find the head coach, I don't think Harden was the priority, right? It's Embiid. And Nick Nurse is somebody who they think can unlock Embiid in new ways. And to be fair, Doc Rivers, like Embiid got much better under Doc Rivers. And again, I don't know who to credit for this. I never know. Everyone, everyone ends up taking credit for it all, right? But with Doc Rivers there, Embiid evolved. We saw the stuff with the, on the elbow last year where he became this unstoppable force. Um, so you have to give Rivers a little credit for that at the least. Um, 
But I think they think that Nurse can unlock the offense and an Embiid-centric offense in ways that they haven't seen in around uh, playoff time. Also, Nick Nurse has a relationship, previous relationship with Daryl Morey, going back to Houston. He was the G League coach for Morey in Houston. So I think those would be the those are the relationships and the uh, the people I look towards in terms of trying to understand why they hired Nick Nurse, not trying to build everything around James Harden. But I'm with you. I'm fascinated to see what this would look like. Yeah, me too. How like those comments that James made in China were <laughs> were really really interesting in terms of the location. Yeah. In terms of the timing, obviously the Hong Kong free Hong Kong stuff that Daryl Morey put out got him a ton of heat from the league. It got the league penalized in a big way. Do you think that was premeditated? I know people think that this is going to sound me. I, I don't know if James Harden is uh that's a lot of dots to connect, right? I, I don't know if that, if it is, if, if it was, I almost respect it more. That's funny. That sounds like that would just be going full blast. I think it was more a coincidence. Well, two parts. I think it was a coincidence that the t- of the timing, right? So that was, I believe like a Monday, I don't remember. Was it a Monday or a Tuesday? I think it was a Monday. Um, and like the previous Thursday or Friday, ESPN had reported that the Sixers were uh, ending uh, trade conversations and expected Harden in camp. So I think that's, it was a reaction to that. Um, I don't, I think the China, if I'm guessing, uh, I think James Harden make those comments in China have less to do with him trying to poke at Daryl Morey, though that'd be funny, um, versus this clearly a comfort he feels there and a, and a love that he feels from the public there that he doesn't necessarily feel in situations here, right? And there, so he thought he was talking to his partisans, his people in that situation. And I feel like that's why he, that's where that came from. I don't think the comment was premeditated, at least, you know, I don't think his camp, if it was premeditated with his camp, maybe, you know, Harden said he was going to do something, but I don't think his camp had like laid that out as a smart move. Um, yeah. But I think it was just, is a comfort he feels there in China. So uh, you mentioned the comfort that he's not feeling here sort of stateside. So He's kind of always, to me, from what I've heard from around the league, known to be someone who, like you said, very sensitive, has a chip on his shoulder, didn't play for a blue chip school like Kentucky or Duke, ended up going to ASU, was the number three draft pick, but still was a six man uh, on an OKC team. Like from what you understand, where is this sensitivity, this chip on the shoulder, this cross me once and I'll cut you off forever? Like, what is it inside of him externally around him that has created that, if you know, if anyone has mentioned other circumstances that they could point to? It's a great question. I don't have a good answer. I wish I did. I profiled him last year and I did like a 40th minute interview with him, which you don't, you know, I don't pretend you get to know people uh, well on those, but it gives you some insight. Um, And the biggest thing, (laughs) my biggest takeaway from that doesn't fully answer your question, but it's related is like, he was so, his, his go-to move is, um, I don't care what people think and, or I don't pay attention to what people say, like when they say X, Y, Z, and then quote exactly what they say, right? It was like, it was like, he did that repeatedly. And I think I even said that to him at some point. I wish I had it remembered. I said nicely, you know, just, you know, you say this, but clearly you do care. And he got to it. And I, the answer we ended up getting to that I found interesting is it, there's a legacy play with him for sure that he's, aware of right and that goes back to the title chasing uh I should say title chasing he knows he needs a title right uh, he wants to be remembered as 
an all-time great. I, I, if I'm guessing, I don't know. I don't know in terms of like, uh, you know, psychology or, or child. I'm sure there's deeper, more interesting answers that I wouldn't be able to touch on or wouldn't have insight into. Um, I do think there's a tension between him correctly realizing that he's somebody who changed the game of basketball, right? He was, he said this to me, like I changed the game of basketball and he's complete right about that all time. Great. He changed the game. Uh, and he deserves a ton of credit for that and not change the game in knowing way. Like he's an all time great offensive player. Um, but there are these caveats to his career. You know, if you look at his legacy, his resume, where, you know, so a lot of playoff failures, uh, no championship. And it's going to be like, he's almost at the point, you know, with stars, they hit a point where if you're, if you're so good in one category, then we accentuate your negatives where like, if he wasn't quite that good, we would kind of ignore the negatives, if that makes sense. So yeah. he's at the point where he's so good that we have to then uh, emphasize the, the, the problems or the deficiencies. And that almost overshadows that conversation overshadows the greatness. And I think that's something that he's, sensitive to and i get that um i don't think he's helping himself in terms of how he go how he's going about trying to address that yeah and i don't think he's really helping himself in terms of getting him out either it feels like if he wasn't being so loud about things then maybe it would be easier for other teams to want to at least explore trading for him um but he's kind of a headache and a declining asset and it seems like the Clippers are the only ones with interest. And Daryl Morey, like he did with Ben Simmons, is going to want a haul. They're going to want at least a young player that they can build around or some pieces to turn into another marquee player. Um, but what you're reporting is, is that James Harden is, you would not be, somebody said to you close to you, or a source close to Harden, excuse me, wouldn't be surprised if he returns and is destructive. Yeah. What What is... Did they ex like expand on what destructive could? Well, we've seen it with him anyway, right? Now he was good citizen yesterday. Um, we've seen it in the lazy pass. Like, well, we've seen it. Um, I don't know if he'll do well as a Ben Simmons. Did he have a phone in his pocket? I'm trying to remember. Was that? Did we ever yeah. figure out if it was a phone or if it wasn't a phone? I, I do want to go back on a couple of things. So a few things. What you mentioned, Daryl Morey. This I think is two parts. What you the things you said, right? You mentioned Daryl Morey uh, wants a haul and is going to hold out. It's more than that. It's that he needs. He's, he's backed into a corner, right? Like if he screws this up, if, if the Harden thing gets screwed up and let's say he just gave it and traded Harden for, I don't know, Norman Powell and some Clippers junk, right? And like they lose in the first round, they get swept by the Celtics or losing five. Uh, Daryl Morey, his job's on the line and Joel Embiid might ask out and, you, and then you're, you're in charge of that. So it's not even like Ben Simmons, you could argue that was more of a, uh, a uh, I don't know, eagle play right now. I'm not going to, I'm going to hold out. I'm going to show you guys so I can do this. Like he has no choice here. He cannot mess this up. He cannot take 50 cents on the dollar. Otherwise the beats probably going to be gone. Right. And that's a huge issue. And that's why I agree with you that Harden's not handling this properly. Right. And I think his camp thinks there's teams who are interested in him. I have done this publicly. It doesn't seem like that. Uh, I haven't heard of anyone. And, you know, we saw the Damian Lillard, like guys asking out the way to do it is you can ask out, you got you to gotta let the GM, the team, create a market. Like, you can tell, tell your team quietly who your preference is. But if you do that, you just make it harder for them to trade you. The best example, everyone always talks about Anthony Davis going to the Lakers. But if you remember, like, we all knew he wanted to go to the Lakers. He didn't say that publicly. Like, there was some, oh, wait, maybe the Celtics or maybe the Knicks. Like, there was enough out there that New Orleans could, you know, work the market work the phones a little bit or create some sort of leverage and get a deal that worked for them. And in the end you get a win-win like James Harden is preventing 
has taken that opportunity away from the Sixers, and that's a problem. Well, what's interesting about what you said is, remember Rich Paul did say out in the open, you know, Anthony Davis is only going to re-sign with L.A., but the thing that's different about the Clippers versus the Lakers in this circumstance is Kawhi and PG don't have nearly the amount of power that LeBron James has within that organization, or at least that LeBron James had back then in terms of, I want this guy. And even if Paul George and Kawhi did have that power, they're not asking for James Harden. James Harden's not at the caliber of player as Anthony Davis was, or at least has the upside of Anthony Davis. Right, you could say no. You could say no on that if you're the Clippers. Um, now I think they actually are interested in him. I just think they know that, like, well, what's our rush? You know, what? <laughs> there's no one else here. <laughs> like, what? Why are we going to give everything up? What's the point here? So we can just wait it out. And we could probably just wait until he's a free agent if he plays nice. You know, yep. we can get him at 20 cents on the dollar like we did Russell Westbrook, which which is very fascinating that Harden and Russell Westbrook could potentially be teammates. Yeah, that is that would be hilarious. And I'm sure they'll say that, you know, no, we were never we never had issues. We were always friends. The media overblew it, blah, 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 blah. Both dudes though are very stubborn, right? Daryl Morey and Harden. Uh for sure, for sure. Which is probably what makes them great at what they, you know, they're both great in their respective fields and have, you know, become one percenters in their areas. Who do you think breaks first? Um, I wouldn't say break. I think the Sixers, I think Harden has less leverage than the Sixers. Well, you know, I don't know. I, I go in circles on this because it's like, I say that, but Harden could nuke the whole season. Like everyone is familiar now with the CBA thing that's been getting a lot of press that you have to show up if you go 30 days without showing up or whatever the proper language is. But like, you can show up, but there's nothing against hamstring injury or throwing uh, you know, lazy behind the back passes or not playing defense. Like a team can't dock you pay for that. They can bench you, but this goes back to what I'm saying that like, you know, if the Sixers season goes in the tank, that's a big issue for them. Um, so do I break for, I, I genuinely, I have, I do not know. I, I, this is not a good answer. Like, I don't know. I don't see how this ends. I don't know how this ends. I have trouble seeing it. To me, the only way to me, the answer is that the season starts and, stuff happens around the league and maybe another team decides, Hey, you know what? We will take a shot on him and that changes the market. I, that's kind of my answer on this that like, I don't know. Let's say Miami gets off to a bad start. I'm making up a team, right. Or Jimmy Butler gets hurt or whatever. Okay. So maybe we'll take a shot on James Harden. That would be a funny marriage. James Harden with Pat Riley, he culture in South beach. Um, but may, I don't know. Maybe like that to me is the answer that just once the season starts and stuff happens and some teams have disappointing, uh, uh, outcomes or events or results um, that then creates a bit of a market and that allows this thing to kind of get kickstarted and rolling. Do you think there's any possibility of reconciliation? Um, I guess the good, the, the, so that's a, that's a, a James Harden question, right? Like I, Daryl Morey, I don't think he can like, yeah, he has like being called a liar. If James Harden's back, he, it, this is not personal to him. Like I, he's fine with that. That's, I guess the upside of his uh, approach to the job, right? It's not like, oh, this guy is blasting me. Um, let me, let me, I'm going to, I'm done with him. Like I'm done. So that's a James Harden question. And for him, it's more about like, will he come to realize that the market for him is probably not what it once was. And honestly, the bet, like he wants to get paid again. The best answer is for him. He's got now he's on an expiring deal, which he probably shouldn't have picked up if he wanted out. But now he's on this expiring deal. Uh, his best move is to just play really well, 
And, and I mean, listen, I'm not going to tell anyone to be unhappy at work, but if he's, if he's prioritizing uh, getting paid again, his best move is to play really well and hit the open market next year as a free agent. So I, I do think there's a path there. And I guess the good, the, uh, the good news about all the gray areas about who's offended, who, and who was offering who a contract and at what time that I mentioned earlier is that it leaves a bit of wiggle room for, you know, you know what, this is actually a misunderstanding. Uh, we wanted you the whole time and you just didn't realize and let's actually get in a room and talk about it. And maybe they can all convince themselves that like, no, we're all cool. So I do think there's a possibility. I wouldn't say hi, but I, I, I do think there's a possibility. Man. So you wrote a book, uh, tanking to the top, the Philadelphia 76ers and the most audacious process in the history of professional sports, which basically is egregious tanking uh nine win seasons just stuff that was uh, i mean only the portland trailblazers trying to get scoot henderson and yeah. shade <laughs> sharp were probably on the level of that so if if philadelphia does not actually ever get a championship as a result of how badly they were on purpose is this the in your opinion like just to wrap it up the greatest nba failure <laughs> in, in or at least the biggest failure in their franchise's history in the Sixers, yeah like so failures there's um there's a lit they're up there it's a different kind of list right so you can think of uh there's like the dwight steve nash lakers which was a fun one the nets twice right the kevin garnett darren williams nets and then i think the Kyrie kevin durant one uh that might take the cake in terms of just biggest what if um this though i do think it's one of a kind. And I, I'm not a Philly guy. I live in New York. Like it's not like people, I'm not a Sixers fan. I just, I just attracted to this story because it's just so ridiculous. Like it's, it's not just that they haven't made it past the second round. Like there was a, the process started with trading Drew Holiday after a second round, uh, after losing the second round and 10, 11, whatever years now, 11 years later, um, they still haven't advanced past the second round. Like that's wild. Right. And it's not like, they got Joel Embiid, so they have the MVP. So it's not like they haven't had the ability to be there. Just they've been derailed by all sorts of nonsense. And it's all the nonsensical scandals that make this a unique story, right? The Frank Langell burner gate and two number one picks who forget how to shoot. Like that's un, that's unheard of, right? And Fulton Simmons. Uh, you can go down the list. There's Sam Hinkie being ousted. And it just it's, it's just down more than coming back. Like Sam Hinkie's mentor coming back. It just It's just... Um, the i don't know it's like it's straight off a tv show right it's like it's too it's too ridiculous to be true so that's what i think separates it it's not just the encore failures it's that what have it's the uh the scandals or issues that have led to those encore failures is what makes this different well i'm going to be fascinated to see how this ends uh awesome stuff probably the most comprehensive breakdown into daryl morey and harden's relationship and why it was you know, really beneficial for a very long time, but always doomed to fail. Definitely check that out at foxsports.com. Uh, do you have anything else, Yaron, that you want to plug? Yeah, check me on Twitter, Yaron uh, White. X, excuse me, X, sorry, right? Uh, the linkless X these days. Y-A-R-O-N-W-E-I-T-Z-M-A-N. Thank you so much for joining us. Let's do it again sometime. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. That's all the time that we have for this episode of The Heat Check. Thanks a million to your own for coming on last minute. That interview was dope. Come back next Monday for an all-new episode and check out the feed for past interviews and many episodes that drop unexpectedly as well. Follow The Heat Check as we head into the new NBA season. Do not forget to download, subscribe, and tell all your friends, every single one of them. Tell them 
Tell them what's up and follow us on social at this heat check on Trista Crick on TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks again for listening in. We'll see you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with h track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.